Why do you think God has you go through hard times? Is it because God doesn't love you? Is it because he's trying to teach you something? Or is it another reason? In today's lessons, I've got challenging and not always easy answers for you in our lesson, Hosea the Prophet, and how God may use your life as a lesson. Here's where we are in going through the Bible. Just before Hosea appears, God sent the prophet Amos to condemn the sins of Israel. He preached very forceful, harsh messages for about three years. With Hosea, who comes just a little bit later, and they may have overlapped, God gives his people a similar message, but in a very different way, where his overall message is of God's incredible love to his people, no matter how badly they treated him. The book is an excellent rebuttal to those who say that the Old Testament God is one of vengeance and hurtful actions. You see a totally, totally different picture of God in this book. Now, I'm going to give you just a quick summary of Hosea, but the rest of the lesson will then go into the details of the book. Not only did he preach God's love, but Hosea lived it. His story is one of the, I think, really most difficult ones in the entire Bible. He was told to marry a woman who would be unfaithful to him. Before he even married her, God told him what would happen, but he obeyed God. She ran away from him, and he went after her, and she had sunk so low that he had to buy her out of the slave market. His love and mercy to her is used as a picture of God's love for Israel and, of course, for us today. I wanted you to see the overall picture and keep this in mind as we study that Hosea's life in all that he went through, in some ways, and listen carefully to this, it's not unusual in that God often uses people, people like you and me, to teach his lessons. We've seen this happen already in our earliest lessons on Genesis and Job. God used the life of Job as a demonstration to Satan and the hosts of heaven that God could be trusted in the most difficult of circumstances. Remember, it was not obviously easy on Job. He lost everything. He had to endure the mockery of his friends. He had to go through all kinds of terribly difficult things, losing his children and his income and just absolutely everything. And remember too, that he never knew in this life why he went through that. God confronted him and that was enough, but he didn't know what was going on. We also saw how the children of Israel were witness to God's power, to their world as God brought them out of Egypt, and they were a witness to the pagan inhabitants of the land who knew throughout their entire history that it was God who gave them their victories. Again and again, people would say to them, we know God is doing this. We know God is sometimes judging you. God is giving you blessings. Whatever it was, they knew that the people's lives were a demonstration of how God was acting. And God may also use you in your life in this way. Before we get into the lesson, keep this reality in mind. This is not just a story sort of far, far away and something happened that happened in the Old Testament. Look at, as you read the book and as you listen to the lesson, how God might be working in your life also. It's fair to assume, of course, that your life may not have the influence of the characters in the Bible. But at the same time, 
You have an audience watching, observing, and evaluating how you trust God. Especially, how are you going to believe in Him? How do you believe in Him when things become difficult, when they don't go the way you expected them to go? And I guarantee they always will. There will always be problems. And I hate to say it, but one of the things that I've seen in life is that the more you are committed to following Jesus, that does not mean things are going to get easier and easier. In fact, that might be the start of some really challenging troubles. When the hard times come, though, remember this above all things, that an eternal perspective is essential. This life is not all there is. Your best life, your greatest joys, your most complete love and fulfillment are coming. And all that happens to you here is preparation, it's refining for it. Or it may be happening for a reason known only to God, but that is important to Him. I cannot imagine the agony of Hosea's life, but he trusted God through all of it. And that's why this this book is in the Bible, to give us encouragement and hope and an example when we go through very difficult things. So let's look at how he did it. The story begins. Hosea's background is unknown. Possibly he was a priest. We don't really know for sure. God told him what he was supposed to do and what would happen. In Hosea 2 it says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. The overview continues. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. But even as he begins, mercy is promised after judgment. And it goes on to say, Yet the Israelites in the future will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. Because God had a covenant with Israel, he had to enforce punishments. Remember, God had set this covenant with them back on Mount Sinai, back when he gave the Ten Commandments. God promised to give them the land, to bless them, but they were supposed to do certain things, the most important of which, of course, was to obey him, to worship only him. And the people agreed to do that. But in Hosea, it reminds them, he says, because the people have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Judgment would come. 
though the people were offered decades of preaching messages to them for repentance. And more than messages, again, God used Hosea's life to illustrate his love for them. Through the powerful image of a wronged husband who loves his wife, even though she betrayed him, and he continues to love her, to go after her, God showed his love to the people again and again. This book is both a historical reality and a prophetic picture because Hosea's love extended, as I said earlier, even to the point of buying his wife out of slavery when her lovers discarded her. Not only did this show the depths of God's love. Remember, these are the people who promised to follow God after all he did again and again to rescue them in the time of Judges. And they promised to follow God after Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal. But it's also the picture of the coming Messiah who would buy back fallen humanity from the slave market of sin. An additional reason for their failures, and we we really need to look at this, and this is so important. It says that lack of teaching, the failure and the priests, and the failure of the priests and prophets was responsible. In Hosea four six and seven, it says, "My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priests. The more priests there were, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful." They feed on the sins of my people. This is serious. And I hate to say it. I sort of ranted and raved on this in the previous lesson, but it comes up again and again in the prophets. This is sadly so prevalent today. Be certain, whatever position of responsibility, whatever voice you have, that your churches are teaching the Bible, that you go to a place where you learn the Bible. I've got so many resources for you here on Bible 805. Please take advantage of them. Remember that first. People are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Learning the Bible, learning God's will, learning His ways. This isn't something that you do just because it's a fun little hobby or, you know, something to do in your part-time or, or you don't have anything better to listen to while you're exercising so you'll listen to a podcast on the Bible. No, no, no. This is the most important thing you can do in your life. And please do share the resources of Bible805.com. There are many, many things there for you. And I pray with all my heart that you'll take advantage of them. The book, though, continues about midway through the story of the relationship between Gomer and Hosea ends. We don't know what ultimately happened to them or their children. And I sometimes think, boy, those are going to be some amazing stories to hear in heaven because I think, oh, those poor little kids, you know, given these horrible names, and then their mom leaves and their dad has to buy her back out of slavery. And we just, we don't know. We have to trust that that God took care of them and that uh, if their earthly life was sad, we know that they are experiencing joy today. But Again, those are stories that we're going to have to hear about in heaven. The rest of the book, though, goes on and is a series of sermons to Israel. Again and again, the theme of God's love and how Israel rejected it to their harm is shown. Israel's once again reminded of their history. In Hosea 11, it says, When Israel was a child, God is speaking, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away. 
away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals. They burned incest to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. How easily we forget everything that God does for us, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we have, the sunshine we enjoy. These are all gifts from God because God was their God. They were reminded once again in this book, as he does through all the prophets, how they were supposed to live and how to treat others. In Hosea 12, it says, you must return to your God. Maintain love and and justice, and wait for your God always. Remember in Amos the expansive meaning of the term justice and how it involves those who are less fortunate. This is a really neat quote out of World Vision that sums up a lot of what all of the prophets teach, where it says the Bible makes social justice a mandate of faith and a fundamental expression of Christian discipleship. Social justice has its biblical roots in a triune God who who time and time again shows his love and compassion for the weak, the vulnerable, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the disinherited. Along with denying justice, people often fall prey to the deceit of wealth. In Hosea 13:6, it says, When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. Be careful when you have a lot, because it's really easy to forget God at those times. And as he goes on to say, your sins have been your downfall. Money, possessions, prosperity are never the source of security that they promise to be. Sin never delivers what it promises. In reality, we need to remember Romans 6.23, for it says the wages of sin. It isn't the good stuff, the great stuff, the lasting security, the whatever. No, the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death now, death of our souls, death of our spirits, death of so many things, and ultimately, if we don't turn to God, eternal death. Hosea, however, as all the prophets do, looks beyond judgment to restoration, where he says, In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, You are my people. And they will say, You are my God. Not only for them, but this wonderful promise is also for us. Paul uses this passage to show God's ultimate love and mercy to the Gentiles, where he says, What if God, though choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, as he says in Hosea, I will call them my people, who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one, who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there 
they will be called the children of the living God. That's referring to us. That's referring to those of us outside of the Jewish line who are called to be part of God's family now. The New Testament also shows how God uses our lives to teach others, as he did in Hosea's day. This may not seem like a blessing, but in first Corinthians excuse me, in Second Corinthians, Paul again says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, all, of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trials, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds in Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. As difficult as it is for the person who's chosen to be the living lesson, people who have suffered have far more credibility than those who haven't in sharing how God helps them. Someone who has been through cancer can comfort those who are experiencing chemotherapy. Someone who has had a terrible loss say even of a child can comfort someone else who is going through it in a way that somebody to whom it's just theory really can't speak in the same way. God uses what you've been through and if he puts you through something it is ultimately for your good and his glory even though you don't see it now. He can use that in your life. God will use you in difficult ways, but don't be surprised because as it says in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, don't think it's strange when you are tried by fire, which is done to prove you, as though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> the Bible actually says that. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory glory just around the corner. Life will often be unjustly hard. Now, no surprise, this is the message translation, but I do love how it emphasized, don't think it's strange that tough stuff is happening. This is what God has planned for you to go through. So what the question is, what will our response be? What will we reflect? Anger, resentment, or trust. It's really part of the job description of being a representative of the Lord is to trust Him and praise Him before the world no matter what happens. Final applications. When we are called to be Hosea, remember this in 1 Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I urge you, it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, it is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus suffered many things he didn't deserve. And we're called to do the same thing. In this world, you will have tribulations. 
He told us that. Hosea reminds us that they may not be a result of sin on your part. Always look at yourself, examine yourself, see if it's discipline. But many times the tough stuff that you're going through is not sin on your part. Quite the contrary. God may be using you as a lesson of trusting him to those around you. And it may not get better in this life. But someday it will. Someday, every moment you trusted and affirmed that he is a good God, no matter what sadness you live in day after day, it will be worth it. One more thing about Hosea. Names were of great importance in the Bible. Hosea is an imperative, which means God save. It's actually a prayer asking God to bring salvation. The book illustrates the need for salvation. And then, of course, in the New Testament, the need for salvation is answered in the name of another, a name that is actually a variation of the name Hosea. And that, of course, is Yeshua, or Jesus, meaning God is salvation. No longer the prayer, but he is our salvation. And with Jesus as our salvation, let me close with this little poem that has been an inspiration and a challenge to me as I remember how God can use my life to show his salvation to others. And here's the little poem. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the things that you do and the words that you say. People read what you write, distorted or true. What is the gospel according to you? Your life is a message. Live it well to the glory of God. That's all for now. Please check out the show notes and other materials at www.bible805.com. And please take the material there. There's so much on the website. I'm going to be adding a whole lot more in the near future. I'll have a link to this little poem that I showed you and lots of other things. But please use the materials there. Share them with other people. Encourage people to get into God's Word. And until next time, I'm Yvonne Pran, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are love, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.